How can we as healthcare practitioners move from just providing disease management to providing true healthcare? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast that helps you grow your practice and expand your skills as a practitioner. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Moscalzo. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for wellness-minded people and professionals who are passionate about transforming our broken, disease-focused system. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, and I passionately believe that all things are reversible or preventable with the right help, with the right natural approaches, diet, lifestyle, etc. And I'm really dedicated to helping people go from disease and dysfunction to living their healthiest and most vibrant and energetic lives possible. So today we have a special guest and we're going to be talking about a topic that I've been covering a lot about recently related to genes and labs and how do we truly help people customize their diet and lifestyle plans. And so my guest today is Dr. Yvonne Castillo. Uh, she is one of our nutritional endocrinology candidates for certification. She's also a licensed doctor of physical therapy, has been in practice for 20 years or more. And she's a pain specialist. She really focuses on helping people get out of pain. And more recently, she's been adding to her toolbox of physical therapy skills, which are amazing, all the diet and lifestyle skills to help people to accelerate their progress from pain into function, right? And it's just, she's finding that it works really well. And one of the things she shared with me just a few months ago was how she's inviting people into a strategy session where she's looking at their genes and she's looking at their labs and helping them to see their risk factors and also what's actually expressing in their body and how that can be related to their symptoms. And I'm really fascinated by this whole process. And I just wanted to invite her on to share a little bit of that, but also the direction that we see health going, the openness that people have more and more to doing labs and genes and, and lifestyle interventions. So without further ado, Dr. Yvonne, so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on and so honored to be a part of the podcast. I am happy to have you here. So when we were talking, you mentioned about things shifting over the last few years, right? The pandemic and all, and things shifting in healthcare and sh shifting in people's attitudes. So I'd love to hear you expound on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the silver linings with COVID is a lot of people, they really started to see just A, the value and importance of their health and that they had to really be autonomous in their health and just not to take it for granted, but also just it started to get really hard for people to get in, to get the, you know, the care that they wanted to see. And then also just the multifactorial way of just, you know, a lot of people think that their health is so isolated. Oh, I just have, you know, aches and pains or, you know, it's just my digestion. And we really started to see more of a holistic view of when you have these weak links, how they can compound and then how they put people at risk for injuries, illnesses, um, and succumbing to something like COVID. I think a lot of people were really kind of woken up on just kind of see the landscape that is out there and that they can be passive. I think traditionally, um, healthcare and medicine is a very kind of 
passive where people have been kind of trained where you show up and someone tells you what to do. You take something and then you go. Maybe you're lucky if you come back six to eight weeks and then you kind of go through this routine again and again versus it being or I like to think of health as more of a dynamic state. And you can't be doing the same thing that you were doing 10, 20 years ago. It just doesn't work. And then also being very proactive with your health so you don't have to be limited later in life or have something serious happen. And I really think the pandemic woke a lot of people up where they wanted to be proactive with their health. And a lot of people got more educated. A lot of people, instead of just being passive, really started to go in and do their own research. And instead of just being taking what is being spewed as them as the gospel. Yeah, I yeah, I love that. And what I get from that is that have you seen this in your own practice and in your own with your colleagues as well, that people are coming in more open to alternative functional medicine approaches? It's not just like this outskirts kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I tend to see clients that really value their health and they are very active and they want to be active well into their nineties and their hundreds. And we're not, when I'm saying active, I'm talking like skiing. I see professional athletes. I see high level people. I mean, I was just on two calls with people today. One lady's in her mid sixties, another he's in his early fifties and he's like flying to Chile and going hella skiing and stuff like that. So very, very active and people value, people are living longer and people want a better quality of life and people are willing to invest into that. And I'm so surprised at just when clients are coming to me, how well educated they are. Gut health is not a foreign word. Genes are not a more word. Some of these blood markers that they're asking for, people are coming to me asking for this stuff. It's not as foreign as it was five, 10 years ago when people were like thyroid hormones, blood sugar balancing. Now you're seeing so many people. I was having a conversation with a client the other day that were working on a biosensor project, but where you're seeing more and more people walking around with blood sugar monitors. People have wearables. People are tracking. People want to know in real time, like I said, going back to that dynamic kind of viewpoint of health is people want to know how they're doing right now. So A, they prevent getting sick, but also so that they're performing better. I'm seeing it a lot more where it's like you said too, it's not such a foreign thing. People are coming to me reciting podcasts and books, Dr. Ben Lynch's book, you know, Dr. Mark Hyman and stuff like that. Like it's not as foreign. And people, they see more the value of this like holistic, they see themselves as a whole person. You know, it's, I just don't go to the orthopedist when I have a joint issue. It's okay. I have a joint issue. How can I not take NSAIDs and painkillers, but what is my diet lifestyle nutrition that I can do to maximize it? People do not want to be on medication. That's a shift I'm starting to see more and more. Same thing with surgeries. I pre and post operative specialist for years and years and years. What can I do to not go get a total joint? What can I do to not be this boomerang of surgeries again and again? I love hearing this, right? We all do because for a long time, those of us who did holistic alternative, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and we were considered those weird woo-woo out there people, and you had to really work with people and educate them and convince them. And a lot of them are receptive to that. But it's, I think, I agree with you that this evidence people are going, I don't want to end up in a hospital with COVID. I don't want to be on a ventilator. They don't have any drugs for this. What am I going to do? How can I take charge of my own immune system? We started to see that much more. Immune system, immune system, cytokines. Who ever heard of a cytokine before COVID other than those of us who went to medical kind of schools? 
nobody ever heard of cytokines and now, oh, do you have a cytokine storm happening? So I, I agree that people are, they're educated about SIBO. Oh, I have gut problems, do you think? I have SIBO. Nobody ever heard of SIBO before. It's totally true. And we need to be educated. We need to be prepared to help them because, and this I want to get into, there's a lot of bad information out there. Yes, they're listening to podcasts and reading blogs and being on social media. And I think social media is probably the worst culprit for the quote unquote bad information, the bad, oh, you just, oh, you have this gene, just take this supplement and everything's going to be fine. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that piece. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a lot of good stuff. When you were thinking about the trends, and this is always the kind of the flip side of when you start to see the wave of functional medicine, it's a great thing as whole, like, okay, we're looking at a person as a whole person. Well, then what happens is it becomes a very lucrative model, you know, then it starts to get buzzwordy. Then you have, like you said, social media and you have influencers where you really don't have people that have, I don't know how to say this gingerly, but like the competence to actually really help people. And it gets really sexy to sell something like, oh, just take the supplement or um, you're starting to see too, if you guys see it with like the AI and the apps where this kind of like this idea of like, do your health? Like I saw one the other day where it was just like, upload your blood work and it'll analyze it for you, you know? And you're like, okay, I guess there's some value to that. But we had this conversation too. And it's just like, well, what happens when you don't get the whole picture and you're missing a critical piece of the uh, and that's another thing that we, I see a lot too, is people are just taking this small vantage point of what's going on in somebody's health, but not taking the whole picture, whether it's that, okay, this is a thorough intake in history. I'm looking at your family history. Okay. I'm taking your blood chem. It's a dynamic shot of where you're at right now. Okay. Now I'm, I'm marrying that with your genes that is telling me what is your propensity and your risk factors? How do I meld that all in together? And then how do I communicate that to a way to a client where, again, they're feeling inspired, they're educated, but not overwhelmed. And like you said, too, there's so much to consume out there and it not isn't necessarily valid, reliable. And then how does that actually apply to that person? Because you can easily go down rabbit holes and think you have every diagnosis under the sun. And then the other thing that you see is people then start to, and you see this in any sort of healthcare practice where people will, you know, they self-diagnose. Oh, I kind of sound like that. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this, try the SIBO diet for three weeks. Oh, latest and great detox is coming out. Okay. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try this, try that supplement. And that can get really, really, really dangerous. Whether that's someone that's either self-diagnosing and kind of DYIing their health and trying to kind of like patch it together or... Again, they're going on these apps. Oh, $17 app. Okay, I'm just going to shoot my genes in and see what spits out and what supplements I need to take. Not taking into account someone's history, what their personal goals are. Um, so again, it's a double-edged sword when people do have, again, like you said, the blogs, the resources, the app, the AI that's coming. Is like, how do you go through with the level of discernment to not hurt yourself? And then equally too, it's like, Great. Everybody wants to hear, oh, cool. I, I'm good. I don't need surgery. But what happens when you actually do need the surgery? What happens when one course is the best thing for you and you're not making the right decision at the right time? It's like, are you using the right tool at the right time for the right problem? And a lot of times too is people aren't necessarily seeing, is the symptom the actual problem? Right. Because the symptom is rarely the actual problem right? That's what we know. Yeah. Okay. You fall and you bang your elbow, you have an elbow pain. That might be the main problem. But actually, if it wasn't really a big impact, but you broke your elbow, then it may be a deeper metabolic problem. 
with bone metabolism, with estrogen metabolism, with all those things that play in and people don't get it if they're just trying to do all the detox. Yeah. And the, I always say, and I will, I will die on this cross. The biggest mistake people make is they stop at the symptoms. Just because the symptom is gone doesn't mean things are fine. And oftentimes by the time the symptoms actually showed up with that symptom is now all these compensations, all these imbalances. And the problem is, and this is why I tell people become a boomerang of symptoms of illness, of injury over and over, and even surgeries, quite frankly, is because they never got to the root cause and they never completely solved it. That's why, again, they just have all these little weak links that compound over time. And over time, they become bigger and bigger and bigger and sometimes more complicated to kind of untease and tangle that web. And then again, when people are coming out there, oh, it's just a quick fix. It's like that just a gut issue. You just take probiotics. Okay, great. That sounds fantastic. But what, because you've had a gut issue for any longstanding period of time, now it's impacted your other hormones, you know, neurotransmitters, you know, all various other amalgam of things and you don't address those things but you just slap on a probiotic i am a big fan of having empowering people to take charge of their own health and that said we as practitioners have a very important role and there's a lot of people who are scared of ai and all the different things because they're afraid that it's going to put them out of business but the truth of the matter is, if you have the right skill set, it's never going to put you out of business because there's things that AI can't do that you can. A lot of that is seeing the full picture. The person puts in that they have a knee pain. They come to us. We're going to ask how long has that been there? What other pains? What other hurt? And we may discover that their knee pain has nothing to do with an injury or a meniscus or whatever. It might be a metabolic bone cancer. AI has, is not going to be able to do that. So I think that it's really important for us to realize that we can use AI tools, all that. We use a tool for blood chemistry analysis, but I don't look at that analysis right up front. I look at the labs. I look to see what I'm seeing about the numbers and how they relate. And then I look at that and say, oh, yep, that relates, that relates, that relates. Oh, yeah, that could be a vitamin B2 might be. Let me go back and look. So it's knowing and understanding and then using the tools to help you to make a discernment about what's really going on with these people. Just wanted to go over that because it's really important. So we have been talking about doing comprehensive blood panels and also gene panels. And the problems I see, and you can comment on this, I see somebody goes to their doctor and go, oh, let's check your genes. And they check MTHFR. And they put them on 15 milligrams of folate and B12. And then the person feels badly because they didn't look at the other genes like the COMTs and the MAOs and all the other things that they caused a sluggishness or an, a hyperactivity of those pathways. And then they feel crappy from actually taking I've had that happen to me over and over and over again. And I'm like, they put you up. What did they, did they look at this? Let's look at your gene. And you find out, first of all, it's like, stop taking that oh, I feel better now that I stopped taking it. We've got to be the voice of reason to tell people just because this doctor, whatever, whether they're a functional doctor or a conventional doctor, told you to take a certain supplement if you feel bad when you take it. That's a clue from the most important part of the experiment, the lab that's in here. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think you could like just to keep on drilling home on that, like the whole big picture and how everything is kind of confirmational into each other. And the issue too is, you know, most conventionally when things are, it's just the highs and lows. You know, what ruler stick are you using? That's one of the most important things. Like what is the measuring stick that you're using? Is it just, okay, you've now crossed the threshold and I can diagnose you, I can give you a prescription? Or is it you're no longer in an optimal functional range? But shouldn't you be able to take into account, like I call it your green, yellow, orange, and red flags, is if you have so many of certain combinations of yellows or yellows with oranges, it's going to paint a certain picture. And sometimes it's, you have so many oranges and oranges with a certain amount of yellows, you're like, ooh, trends over time are so powerful. And that's too, like you said, like AI can't do that. And when you take those trends over time, compounded with someone's also like their family history, say they have a gallbladder or a liver thing, like you said, they're not doing a full comprehensive blood panel. And they're missing out some of those things. They don't know how to tease that out. You're going to miss critical things of, okay, liver disease, kidney disease, and stop it before it starts to transpire. And to me, that carries a lot of weight because and I know it's sometimes hard for people that are not in medicine, but when you live and breathe it and you see the consequence, like I've had people be terminal of kidney disease. I know Parkinson's disease. I did my dissertation on that. I know what that looks like and I don't want people to go down that route. So that's where I kind of get super fired up when I'm like, okay, they're to take seriously these trends that are starting. Like I said, the little white flag that starts to lift up and go, hello, hello. You can't sweep it under the carpet. But one of the most important things is as a practitioner, can you articulate and get people to light a fire in someone when they just have those yellow and orange flags? No, gluten's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to have it every once in a while. But when you go, hey, you have this gene snip and then you have this family history and then this is the trends that I'm starting to see in your blood work. We can't mess around with that. And I, I had two clients again this morning too. People that were very, a lot of people say like, well, what do you do when people are resistant? So I was just like, it's just a matter of communicating with them and then just making them see, okay, this is connected to this. And we're talking guys that are fast and high living, drinking alcohol, fast food and all that. And a lot of people, you'd be surprised if they're like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that connection and stuff like that. And they're making really big changes. It's being able to communicate to a client, okay, and connecting the dots for them for what matters for them. And that will help them get into action and also be compliant. And that's another power of having things like the blood. Like you cannot deny the data. Data takes the drama out of everything and it makes it very, very black and white, but also it gives people a benchmark to see their progress, which is probably the single most important thing is people like to see progress. They don't like to be, they'd be like on a boat in the middle of the sea. You want to know that you're going closer to your destination. And people get really excited about that, especially when they're having to make big shifts in their changes of their diet or getting to bed an hour earlier. When you say, hey, did you know if you got to bed 20, 30 minutes earlier, it's actually going to improve your testosterone this much? Oh, really? Great. How does testosterone impact my brain, my bones, everything? And that's like, how do you communicate? That's probably one of the most important things. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, that I hear all the time. What... What do you do for people who just won't do it? It's learning to communicate. So yes, you need skills. You need to be able to look at genes, understand risk factors, not consequences that are inevitable, but risk factors. Then look at their labs, listen to their history, and then be able to articulate to them why it's so important that you do this and don't do that. 
because this is where it can lead. And it could take six months, a year, three years before you see it. But if you start down that slope, down into Parkinson's, there's a point where it's really hard to come back up, right? If you're just a little bit of the way down and you catch it, there's a way to come back up. And I think that we as practitioners need to hone in on our skills of, yes, lab reading, yes, understanding genetics, not overwhelming people with every gene and make a connection between this gene and this nutrient because it doesn't work that way. And then understanding how to do a really, really thorough, comprehensive history and intake of lifestyle factors, diet, what time do they go to sleep? How's their exercise? Are they over-exercising? Some of the people I think you see are actually over-exercising. Yeah, and that's a hard thing. How do you get somebody that's so super active actually have them slow down? And I will literally be like, oh, look at your 8OH. Like, look at these markers of inflammation. Look at actually like the muscle breakdown. Look at your cortisol levels. And then, okay, we correlate to that. Okay, now look at what's happening with your blood sugar and your joints. And that they can see it and it helps them make better decisions and stay within in alignment with what they ultimately want. And I had what it was one of my clients. So he's a professional cyclist. And he told me today we were on a call and he's like, my gut, he he thought literally it was normal for being a professional athlete just to have everything go right through you. And he said today, he was like, I'm now a nine out of 10. Three months ago, I was a four out of 10. And he's like, it was a game changer. And when you looked at his blood work, all his minerals, all his nutrients, his vitamin D was 27. But when you look at it, everything adds up. And I always, this is my line, I always tell people, I'm like, we only get concerned when things don't add up. But when things add up and you can make the connections and you can make that clear, like you said, roadmap and plan, and then you connect them for them. But it's been an absolute game changer. His blood sugars are, are normalized. His energy is doing great. His sleep is doing right. He's completely overhauled his diet, you know, from what it was like quick fast foods. It was because also too, they were indoctrinated and a lot of athletes are, it's the goose, it's the bars, it's carbo loading in the morning. And literally when you tell them, okay, actually this is like, you know, healthy fats and proteins. And then if you're going to have a carb, this is how you're going to pair it, it's going to do it. And they feel better. And you can actually see on their blood thing, like they're actually getting their nutrients in their body. He said, okay, so this is a really fun thing. He did a five minute and 28 second mile better than he when he was 19 and playing soccer in college and he's 55 and he's like everything makes sense and he's like so excited and this is someone too who was drinking and fast foods and all that so it is possible and people are saying like oh some people won't change don't make that decision for them do your due diligence where you can present the data in a way that makes people get excited to take action and follow through and it is Probably it's the most exciting things, especially when I look at, especially in this particular person, his genes and his blood work, where I know he could potentially go. And now I'm like, he's going to get to live this vibrant life for a whole another half a century. It's awesome. It's awesome. And there's so many good stories like that. It's not just a matter of people are not willing. They are not willing because they've been brainwashed probably their whole life by the medical system that this is not the way it goes by food. And when you can explain it to them in a way that makes sense and relate it to their system, their symptoms, their genes, their labs, their family history, their habits, you can explain that to them. They get motivated. I see it all the time. They get really motivated to make change. It's super exciting. I think that the one thing that really drives me is the beautiful ripple effect that you start to see because that person becomes a walking billboard. One of my other clients like lost 40 pounds. He's doing so great. Like 
so fantastic, like back to everything. And he had two, uh, he fractured both of his heel bones and not, it was a pretty extensive rehab and recovery. But honestly, when we started doing like the diet and nutrition and stuff like that, game over, game changer. And he, and he literally, because he was a little bit resistant to do it, it was after I was like, I want to get your labs done because he was a data person. And I was like, I need a snapshot. See, that was the line in the sand when he saw those numbers and he saw his cholesterol and he saw that and he, his mom died of breast cancer. His brother's a good hundred pounds overweight. There's heart disease. His blood pressure is up. Diet and lifestyle alone, he's on no blood pressure medications, no medications at all. He healthily lost his weight. Everybody's kind of going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, I call him my chia porridge evangelist. He's like, oh, I like him. He tells all this. But, you know, and he was an Italian guy. No, I'm never going to give up cheese. I'm never going to give up this. And he's like, when you make the connections and it matters and they feel great, that's a wonderful thing. And now he's getting his friends to stop smoking and to exercise and to give up the alcohol and to start to think in a broader way. It's like this beautiful ripple effect that you have the ability to impact people. It's just one of the most enriching things and honor that I have the ability to help people. That's awesome. There's so, uh, so much to unpack here. And I think that I just want to summarize where we've come to is that we can't plug your numbers into a, an AI program and say, oh, I need C and D and A and X and whatever. And then just do that without changing your lifestyle, without changing your habits, without changing your mind. And AI can't do it the way we can because there's some motivational factor. Yeah, there's some people who just need to see something in black and white and they go, okay, I'm going to change. That's the rare person. I mean, how many of you out there really see those people on a regular basis? I love it when I do. It's, they're easy and they're simple. But yeah, there's more to it than that. So to be an effective practitioner, you need to be able to, number one, do an amazing history. Don't skip you know, the five-minute history that's done in the typical HMO office these days, you can't get at what you really need to get at. So a really thorough, thorough diet, lifestyle, family history, food history, et cetera. You need to be able to run labs, run the appropriate labs, not the typical CBC and chem screen with TSH, right? That is not enough. There's inflammatory markers. There's full thyroid panels. There's a full blood sugar panel. There's a whole lot more that you need to learn about and be able to do and interpret and help people to, to change. And also the genes. Now, a lot of people, they don't want to get their genes done. I don't want the public to know my private information. The drug companies are going to shut me off, whatever. No, I mean, you can do it anonymously, by the way. But you don't have to know the genes because a lot of us can interpret some of the stuff from family history. But there's some unique genes that you can look at and go, whoa, this person really needs to get off of caffeine, let's just say, because they have a family history of breast cancer, right? And there's a big link between caffeine and breast cancer. We did a podcast on that a couple of weeks ago. So check that out. Um, or they're eating hamburgers and they're thinking, oh, but it's organic beef and blah, blah, blah. And I don't eat the bun. But charbroiled meat, CYP 1A1, by the way, guys, if they have that sip, they don't handle the heterocyclic amines that are produced. They don't handle the heterocyclic amines from their car exhaust. So when you know these things, you can warn them that you have the potential for this pathway in your body not working, this detox pathway not working well. And what are you going to do about it? Well, don't expose yourself 
to the things that it's responsible for, right? And when we can talk to people in this way and we can understand it and we can relate the history, the genes, and the labs, the behaviors follow because it just naturally flows like, oh, I better be doing this. So I'd love to hear your, you always talk about the three C's and some of those other things that practitioners really need. I'd love to hear you share that with our audience. And I think that's a great thing is like with the blood chem, a lot of times the genes is very confirmational. Like even from just doing a blood chem report, I could already kind of be like, I already have like my, my little calculator goes, okay, I'm expecting to see X, Y, and Z's genes. And most often, a lot of the times they're all there. You could already see them which is really, really great. Cause then again, it's just that again, added layer when you're communicating with the client too, where it's just like, are, do you want to skate on that much thin ice or do you want to prevent anything to kind of happen? And then also it helps to, like you said, get really actually pretty darn accurate with like very specific diet herbs, nutrition, um, even sometimes the supplements. So you can get really super hyper specific, but going to the three C's. So my big three C's are like to be competent practitioner, a very effective practitioner, one that can show up with a level of conviction and confidence. And then is like, you have to have the clinical competence to do it. You have to have the skills. It's just not something where you can go get a couple blogs or do that. You really need to have a solid foundation of theory. But the biggest mistake, and again, I've taught in universities and um, had you know a lot of clinical students under me, is the biggest gap I think is people consume material, but they don't necessarily how to apply it in real life. That critical thinking portion of it is I think one of the single biggest things across any sort of all the educational institution is people don't know how to critically think. And a part of critical thinking too, and this is again, when we have all these possible functional tests, people don't know how to basically go, this is know what they're looking for with a good solid family history okay these are the most important tests this is what i actually need to add i need to add these additional markers to my functional blood contaminant. okay i need to absolutely look at these genes and through there and two is how do you take all that distilled information and keep things really really focused so you're also efficient with your time too because you don't want to be spending the whole darn week on a single review of lab you want to know exactly you want to kind of have to be like a shark <laughs> You want to know in there, know what you want to go look for, do the research that you do, and then take all that information and make it, and being able to articulate a way to your client too, that, okay, what's the action plan? Not the 27 page action plan, but what are my top three? And then also marrying that too with the person, and this goes with the third C. So clinical competence, second one is critical thinking. And the last one is kind of like, is compassionate care. Like you said, AI can't do, cannot be a human. The compassionate care, and you can hear it in my voice, where people get fired up and they get excited, they excited to see, see people get better. That's probably one of the single things that so many clients are like, the one thing that I love working with you is you get so excited. And you get excited to see me better. You get, you're my, you're like one of my biggest cheerleaders and stuff like that. But at the same time, part of being compassionate and caring is being honest with somebody. Honest when they're not taking actions, honest when you're needing to be like, hey, what's going on here? Is this too much? Where are you at right now with your capacity? Where, like, and so, because you can't be forcing people what to do. You may know what is the best thing, but you have to be honest, let them make a decision, but put the data on the table in a way that they can understand it, but not be overwhelmed and not feel broken. I see so many practitioners fire hose their clients that they're just like, 
it's going to take me 20 decades to get better. I'm going to be spending $1,000 on supplements. I'm going to have to do, you know, $3,000 worth of functional test every three months. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And a part of being clinically competent is being able to know what are the most important things that you need to do right now. What are some things that you can do in a couple months? Also, too, how can you articulate to the client? Because sometimes you do need multiple tests done at one time. Sometimes you do need that done. And how can you articulate to the client so that they can, you know, make financial decisions, go get help to make those tests done? Because sometimes that difference of 30 days, 60 days, 90 days can sometimes be like that. I love that. I love that. And the other thing that comes up for me as you described compassionate care is is really being a good listener and connecting with the person. And you're going to speak to different people in different way. The data-driven person who's an engineer, whatever, they want to see, you know, and then other people who are just different, they're, they're thinking in terms of how does this affect the quality of life? How does this affect their role as a caregiver in their life? And so I think that that's part of it too. And that's where AI is never going to replace us. But we need to be on the cutting edge. We need to be able to understand how to do all this, how to do the thorough history, how to understand the labs, what labs to run. Save their budgets, please. Don't run. I know so many functional medicine docs, you go in there and they charge you $500 for the initial eval, but then it's like $2,000 worth of tests. And then they send you away and say, come back in six weeks when the test results are done. And I'm like, what an opportunity was missed there on starting with the basic stuff, but also starting with educating about the diet lifestyle things that they can ship, their hydration. Nobody asks how much water people drink. Nobody checks on hydration and you cannot get well if you're not drinking enough. So there's so much that we need to encompass. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching practitioners and and our NEPT program, our nutritional endocrinology practitioner training, where we go into all this stuff in minute detail. And it, people say, well, I wish they taught us this in medical school because they didn't teach it to me this way. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. I, you know, you can tell where every artery dissects and whatever, but you don't, you don't know how to tell people what to eat and how to drink. So we've covered a lot of ground here. And I think that I feel empowered when I hear conversations like this. I feel like we're on the right track. And that these poor people who I hear about every day in my practice, in my, in my work with people, in my work with practitioners, is that so many people are suffering as a result of not getting this care. So I would love to hear your parting words. You've been in this system for a long time and you've seen both sides of it. And I would love to just hear some parting words for our practitioners listening in. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I'm seeing right now, and this is a conversation that I've had with multiple pr- practitioners and even people across landscapes of like biomedical devices and stuff like that there is a very clear shift happening in healthcare and it's the wave of functional medicine is coming you're starting to see people kind of shift from the conventional model to not just diagnosis and medications but what can i do to prevent getting sick and then also hi i'm a whole person i'm not just a joint i'm not just a kidney everything's all connected people are getting that the other thing that's happening with the shift in the landscape of healthcare. It's getting really, really, really hard for people to go in to see practitioners. Unfortunately, how the model's set up, these poor practitioners are getting 10 minutes, five minutes. Actually, one of my clients actually said there's a, a, a book or something that's called Death by Portal. Well, these poor doctors are just 
literally getting fire host clients and all they're getting is a small little picture. Okay, this is what's coming to them in their portal. They can't even do their job. You know, radiologists, what do they get? Pain. Okay, what am I supposed to do with that? And you're supposed to give me a spine x-ray and I'm supposed to tell you what's going on there? Like when all I know is pain? So that's the thing too. This is not conventional medicine bashing. I love doctors. They're all fine. My sister's an orthopedic surgeon. But the model and the system is kind of not serving people anymore. And people can't afford to wait six, nine months to go see their doctor to get their annuals. And now people are seeing, oh, I can do this on my own. I can go out there. I can order my own labs. I, you know, they're not bound by the system anymore. And a lot of people are doing concierge medicine and they don't want to wait. So they would say like, hey, if I, something's happening up, I want to know that I'm going to be able to be seen. So this is the shift of the landscape that's happening. And especially with AI and all the apps, people are being conditioned to being able to go get access to stuff. And that's where, like, to speaking to the practitioners, like, my question for you is, are you going to be ready for this wave of people that have now this perspective shift of, I don't want medications, I don't want to get sick, I don't want to get this diagnosis, and I don't want to wait six to nine months to get seen. I want to be seen when I want to be seen from the comfort of my home, and I don't want to be prescribed medications. I want to tell you in a holistic view, what can I eat? What is the lifestyle interventions? How can I actually perform better? Like that's what people are looking for. And two, people are looking for, people are looking for, I, they expect to get their blood done. People are asking to get their genes done. Tap into a couple Instagram ads, you will be fed them all day long. You'll be shocked at how much stuff you get. But we've, we've seen that. So my question to you is, are you going to be ready to take on all these people that need your help and are looking for these things and asking for these things? Yeah, absolutely. And we need to be. We need to be because somebody has to step up. And the way that the model is working, even as heartbreaking as it may be to some of these doctors, they don't have the luxury of spending more than the five, 10 minutes with people and running a lot of different tests because they're bound by insurance. So we need to be stepping into that. And also, I just think that we need to also be not just the functional medicine practitioner who moves from allopathic medicine has different tools, but the same mindset. It's really opening up to how do we help people get empowered to take charge of their life in an educated way, not a stop eating this and start eating that and eat more fruits and vegetables. No, very targeted for them, but also explained to them in a way that it relates to their fear of Alzheimer's. It relates to their fear of you know, losing their mobility because of the osteoporosis in their family or their current diagnosis of osteoporosis. So we need to be able to can help them in a way that gets them excited. And, and we've been talking about this in terms of, who are you the next level health practitioner? Are you prepared? Do you have the skill set? Do you have the heart to be the next level health practitioner? Because if you don't, then you're going to become obsolete, right? We need to be able to step up to that and really hone in on your skills. We have methods. We have training. I love this podcast. We have 80-some episodes of podcasts, but I'm constantly putting out information for health practitioners to help make them better practitioners. And, and I want to dispense the fear of, oh, no, people won't pay out of pocket. I will guarantee you 
Yvonne and I have had the experience of people will when they believe in you and they believe that you can help them get well. So hone in on your skills, build up your confidence, build up your competency, your clinical competency, and stay in that role, that mode of compassion, right? Stay in that mode of really caring for people and you will be successful and you will be like, you'll wake up every day and pinch yourself going, wow, I get to do this again today. This is so, so cool. So if you want more in-depth training and resources, visit our site at ionemethod.com. You'll learn about our practitioner trainings and reinventhealthcare.com. Lots of resources there. Check the show notes for resources and links to uh, a variety of different topics to help you to get more in-depth information on these topics. And thank you so much for being here, Dr. Yvonne. Really appreciate you. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.